okay to Cammy if that, um, a nipple is the best accessory? Because oh my gosh, hell yes! It just makes sing it, girl. It makes most shirts look better. Um, it makes more shirts look better. It makes most shirts look better, or like more. I like yeah, it. That's interesting. I like it. But it has to be in the right setting. Like, I feel we're going to Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Sometimes, like, I'll throw Hi, I'm Kate. Hi, I'm Tara. And we're here to learn about politics. And get a little drunk. Except not today, because it's like 1 p.m. It's 1 p.m. We felt like we needed to pay some uh, penance, mm -hmm. um, like the good Catholic girls we are, uh, <laughs> for the um, mess that was... It wasn't a mess. It was... It, it, got, was, a, it got a little sloppy. It got a little sloppy last episode. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we were dealing with uh, some very uh, tough content, so mm -hmm. we had to... Content. Tough. Tough ideas. We had to, we had to lubricate ourselves a little bit. Mentally, <laughs> it got, got kind of weird there for a second. Um, welcome to our fourth episode of our petite saison. Mm -hmm. We are here to give you an update on on news across Ontario that will affect um, you mm -hmm. uh, and your possible decision for the upcoming municipal elections on October twenty second, twenty eighteen, or. If you would like to vote early and you're going home for Thanksgiving, do that too. Do that too. So we're going to go through the news from this week and then we're going to run a interview that I did with Samia Abdi last week, mm -hmm. who was running for uh, school board trustee in Scarborough Guildwood. Um, Samia is going to tell us about what a school trustee does and why it's important. Um, why you shouldn't eeny miny mo when you get to the ballot box yeah, in October. <laughs> like I fully did last Like I think time. most people do. But for now, we're starting with a um, ooh, kind of like icky sticky uh, story. Um, a report came out this week uh, from a professor, uh, some, a bunch of research I guess, came out from a uh, report done by a professor at U of T that found that Toronto, very unsurprisingly, mm -hmm. is as segregated by race and income. Um, even the professor himself was surprised. Oh, fuck you, Toronto Star! <laughs> Yo, guys, the Star Digital Access is telling me that I've reached my limit of free stories, but luckily I did this in my... I, luckily, I ran all the important information into my Instagram story that I did for the podcast this week, so I will pull that up now. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, David Holchansky and his research team um, used census data to illustrate uh, growing income inequality in the city. And like, anyone who lives in the city of Toronto, like, anecdotally knows mm -hmm. that, like, Th like no there are barely any black people that live in forest hill or rosedale like it is super it's a super white neighborhood mm -hmm. like like we we know that it's is segregated along racial and uh and economic lines but to have like this concrete research to show it really puts it like you know really i don't know puts it in context or yeah and it's not just a toronto thing either like anecdotally you know that Mm. Ottawa is super economically and racially oh, yeah. segregated. Mm -hmm. um, I live in Old Ottawa South, and there's a river, and on one side of the river is Old Ottawa South, which is like relatively 
like upper middle class, mainly white neighborhood. And then across the river is community housing. Mm hmm. Exactly. Um, what was very what made what makes it very relevant to our discussion about Ontario politics, municipal politics, um, using your vote uh, effectively is um, the professor attributed to this income um, disparity and segregation to uh, a trend that dates back to the 1990s caused by federal and provincial cuts in transfer payments and social assistance, along with tax cuts, rising housing costs, and the disappearance of well-paid manufacturing jobs. So he's attributing these things to uh, these this like problem to uh, to government cuts by the Mike Harris government of the 1990s and John Cretchen's government federally in the 1990s, who were very focused on balancing the budgets. Mm -hmm. And we have a government in Ontario now who is doing, like, the same thing. Mm -hmm. Cuts, cuts, cuts. Oh, look, the budget deficit is, like, larger than we thought. Gonna have to, like, fix it. Oh, well. Um, So uh, the professor's recommendations on how to fix the problem is, um, like, government policies like brought this in government policies can fix it Mm -hmm. um so we need investment in our social assistance system not cuts amen sister yeah cool um speaking of cuts (laughs) um the parsnips yay uh why don't you talk about this uh healthcare? oh okay um so I uh, came out today. Today's October third that the PC government are going to put ninety million dollars into Ontario's healthcare system in preparation for flu season because this often overwhelms the healthcare system and it's already at sixty um, percent of the year it's over capacity and during the fall and winter this obviously bumps up as people get sick. Mm-hmm. Um, this sounds like it's a big number. Last year the Liberals did the same thing, but they put in a hundred million dollars mm-hmm. right before flu season. And official opposition leader, it just makes me laugh to say that, because, like, her opposition is, what, like, eight MPs? Um, No, Andrea Horvath? Yeah. She's not, she doesn't have eight MPs. Oh, no, I'm thinking of the Liberals. Oh, fuck me. Oh, my God. Well, Um, it's okay. This is a safe space to make mistakes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Official opposition leader, who does not have only eight MPs, (laughs) but she, but she sounds like she has eight MPs, you know what I mean? Like, she's just kind of, like... Oh, don't yeah. do it! <laughs> like, dude, I just feel like I feel like Andrea Horvath like didn't win the election. Like, she had like the momentum too in terms of her plan. But part of the reason she didn't win is because there's lots of reasons. But she just because like is her. she's not a leader she's that people want to get behind. No, and I feel like we've been screaming this for so long. Yeah, she, but she's so fucking <laughs> we totally boring. We've been screaming this for so long. She's so boring. I don't give a shit about what she says I know. or does. And or, like, and you really need like if you're gonna make a big change like. Uh, far, like universal mm-hmm. formal care, dental, dental care. You need like a big charismatic leader, like Justin Trudeau. Yeah. Honestly, like, but you also don't even have to be hot. Like, look at Bernie Sanders. Like, he's not hot at all, and he's like, like he's not even conventionally charismatic. Like, you don't no. need some smooth talking, no, 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 no. swarthy Justin Trudeau esque mm-hmm. type person. Like, you could have Bernie Sanders, <laughs> who, who looks like he should be in a old folks home uh for those of you at home i'm using my one pointer finger uh to gesticulate wildly yeah yeah anyway point being yes andrea horvath criticized this saying that they need at least 300 million to even begin addressing the issue of overcrowding Mm -hmm. in ontario hospitals um 
Okay, speaking of, like, political uh, communications mm-hmm. and things that are difficult to communicate, climate change. Uh-huh. Uh, good segue, right? Excellent um, segue. Doug Ford is sitting on a billion dollars in a fund that was um that that has a bunch of money in it that was made by the uh cap and trade system which he is in the middle of slashing Mm -hmm. um this one billion dollars is um in the government coffers and it's uh there and it can only be extracted by uh for projects that are uh aimed at reducing carbon emissions Mm -hmm. and um doug ford is actually trying to push through legislation to uh to stop that to basically open this money up to projects that aren't these the cost of canceling so many of these programs is astronomical yeah and then he's using the money that it generated to get rid of the program that made him the money in the first place it doesn't make any Um, sense i will say the only thing that is awesome about having Doug Ford and all these, like, hilarious fools in power is they're so fucking funny. They like, are this is so hilarious. Funny. Okay, you want to know something else? Is he, during the campaign, he uh, made this cap-and-trade cancellation, like, a key promise of his, and he kept calling it the cap-and-trade carbon tax, which are two... T- like it shows mm-hmm. the, the cap and trade and carbon tax are two different systems mm-hmm. they don't they're not used in conjunction mm-hmm. and it shows how little th- these people know about what they're doing yeah. and how little they care mm-hmm. to know right mm-hmm. they are funny what was the other what was the other thing that was funny did you no that that's oh, just no, that's this. Funny. It's so it's ironic it's like it. a fucking circus it is da, 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 it is da, da. if you can separate the fact that um it's going to send us to our fiery doom much earlier oh, yeah. from like the hilarity of the situation mm-hmm. itself then you're golden i mean that's what i'm trying to fiery do. doom is pretty funny like if you ask me cognitive like, dissonance i think is just like the only right way forward for yeah us. yeah well you gotta you got you gotta protect yourself but also like being engaged and vote i don't know uh yeah it's a fine balance, <laughs> it's a like, fine balance. like anything in life yeah Okay, well, I don't want to talk about climate change anymore because no. I just got really sad. Yeah, um, I just said fiery doom, and I was like, well, blah, blah, blah. oh, I should probably sterilize myself now. <laughs> <laughs> no I'll children. Never, I'll never have children or a home. <laughs> okay. Um. So last last little story, Kate. You want to talk about the labor reform bill? Oh yeah. So, uh, the Liberal government in I, th- I believe it was 2015 passed Bill 148, which is a labor reform bill included in this was the minimum wage increase, which mm-hmm. we talked about last week because that was one of Ford's central promises is um, ending or capping the the minimum wage at $14 an hour instead of letting it rise to 15 and then um, increasing with inflation. Mm-hmm. So he did that already, but it came out this week that he also wants to get rid of the rest of Bill 148, which includes provisions that basically adapt workplace law to the changing workforce in Ontario and that includes like part-time and flexible workers Mm -hmm. and so some of the benefits that are going to disappear are things like um, more paid sick days, part-time workers getting paid the same amount per hour as full-time workers, um, being compensated for being held on call Mm -hmm. even if you aren't actually called into work because you're still in this weird flux. Mm covered all your bases there yeah that was everything i i just i wanted to keep rolling but i had nothing else to say no that's i think that's actually Um, that was it oh yeah oh so doug ford justifies doing this by literally lying and saying that this bill 148 caused sixty thousand people to lose their jobs because it increased costs for business owners um this is bullshit 
uh, Ontario's economy is actually growing. There have been, I think it was 200,000 jobs added after the legislation. And this is probably has nothing to do with it mm-hmm. at all, but it's mm-hmm. just anecdotally like that's a lie. Yeah. And this also really feeds into business lobby, like business and corporation lobbyists who have been pushing for this um, bill to be removed for a long time, ever since it came out. And it just shows how Doug Ford is once again sucking the dick of big business. Oh, <laughs> wow, Doug Ford sucking a dick is not an image <laughs> that I needed in my life. But there it is. I have it. Uh, you're welcome. Um, in later Jose. And you know why? Because unlike every other person here today, I give zero. Having someone like Sanya Abbey, you guys will hear from her in a second in political office no matter where she goes she will be a shining example of somebody who is in politics for the right reasons Mm. tell us how how did you like find her how do you how this um i actually found her because my friend Saad. shout out to Saad, Saad ahmed um (laughs) (laughs) shout out to Saad. uh he is a friend of mine he's a doctor newly uh newly licensed doctor shout out to Saad again congratulations (laughs) Congratulations. dude um (laughs) who uh he's a uh, pakistani muslim um runs a amazing um initiative uh that is essentially trying to uh like promote and engage young muslims you don't even know I this know that. i know dude i know he's That's a, so cool dude he's fucking amazing like wow. date saw it <laughs> seriously <laughs> he's single ladies um yeah and um th- they uh Saad came to know Samia through this initiative that he runs and he said hey like you know um like I have this friend and she's running for public office like I want you guys to meet and so her like mission is basically to like level the playing field for um these like kids that for students in the school boards that in the in the schools that she would represent as school board trustee Mm -hmm. yeah and uh anyway she's a super cool lady uh low-key like want to be here when i'm grow when i grow (laughs) up uh so kate is there anything else you want to say about samia and the interview that you listened to no let's roll it okay let's roll let's roll the interview roll the interview okay so we want you to tell us what the hell a school board trustee is and what he or she does Sure. So a school board trustee is your representatives at the school board. Uh, We have 22 school boards in the um, Toronto School Board District. And basically, they are the voice of the parents, the community, and the students. Um, So if you are having um, any concerns, if there are improvements that you would like to see in your school, uh, we typically say approach you at the teachers, the principals, superintendents. But if you find things are not moving along as fast as you want them to, to move, then you approach your um, trustee. Also, trustees are allowed, uh, are able to put forward motions that can um, affect things like school funding and the distribution of funding, as well as um, is, you know the usage of uh, school property. So one of the things that I'm really passionate about is, um, is sco- uh, schools as community hubs, as a space for. Um, little babies to seniors to uh, people in the neighborhood to be able to use that space outside of um, the instructional times. And uh, unfortunately, the other thing is uh, most recently we've been having uh, a lot of school closures and, uh, you know, instead of using that space for uh, community, um, developers kind of swoop in, uh, buy it, 
to turn it into a condo, (laughs) a luxury condo. A luxury condo. And speaking about development in condos, right now in the school, in the Toronto school board, um, in the Toronto school board, uh, we're actually not allowed to use um, the, you know, charge charge the the developers to uh, be able to fix the schools or to, uh, you know, support school services. And the only thing that we can use uh, them for, you know, the charges for are um, the purchase of new land or new development, uh, which doesn't make sense given that so, we're, yeah, there's so, a backlog. Yeah, so essentially what you're saying is that, like, you can't, char- you can't, include in the price of of the land and this and the building for the developer like it's like community use yeah like basic like like you know when you like if you buy like a building on queen west if it's a commercial building you have to like estimate its commercial value or whatever or you're saying like for schools they have like inherent like important community value and you're not allowed to you're basically not allowed to include that in the price well you're not allowed to, it's not that you're not allowed to include it in the price it's it's what happens once the developers move in and that if um, if there is no uh, a social responsibility closed then that space is forever lost for community oh. as access oh I see so they don't have to they don't have to build a school or a community center they can build a luxury condo absolutely I and see. they don't have or commercial exactly. building and uh, currently we're having a huge backlog i don't know if you've heard about a campaign called um, fix our schools so like uh, there is actually uh, huge problems in terms of heating in the winter and uh, ventilations in the summer oh uh, there are broken steps and sometimes mold and things are falling apart basically rusty, rusty playgrounds so oh, um, because of that um, almost all all of the schools in the city actually are in some sort of a, a repair backlog, wow. and if we're Why? not, uh, the bureaucracy as well as um, continuous cuts to uh, funding for for, for schools. Right. So. Um, Schools administrations have to make the difficult choices between, you know, the the minimum base meeting the minimum basic requirements to be able to educate the future generations and worrying about things that are you know important and needed but not urgent. Right. And so essentially, a school board trustee, uh, like they sit on a school. Like, what is the body? Is it a school board? And, like, what does that look like? Exactly. Talk about that for a second. Like, yeah. what what does the school board look like? Is do you sit on it with a bunch all the other ward school board trustees? Like, what happens with that? Talk totally. pretend like <laughs> I don't know absolutely anything about this. Exactly. So, so as you mentioned, uh, that's exactly it. So, you, you, we have representative one representative for each of the wards. So, there's 22 wards when it comes to the school board. So, the, the boundaries are a bit different. Um, there are ones that are uh, very. Uh, you know, will be mimicking the provincial boundaries, but also because we are, you know, 25 versus 22, so there are ones that are slightly different. Right. So you have to be, um, you know, able to check in with with, with the, the website what your boundaries are, and exactly you do that. There are um, committees that are responsible for various um, requ- requirements, as well as the, the board, which means meets once a month. Okay. And... Um, 
and there's a chair for that board. There is requirements to represent uh, your ward and to bring forward any concerns that the parents, the, the students, and the community in your in ward has. And, and is it a paid position? Um, there is actually an honorarium that comes with an it. An honorarium? Yes. Is it, <laughs> is it a monthly honorarium? Um, I'm not sure exactly about like the details of the payments, but there is uh, about... Twenty-five to twenty-seven thousand dollars a year, depending on um, the number of people you are representing. Doesn't get you very far in the city of Toronto. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> or really, or really anywhere else. Anywhere. Um, so, and you, you have a bit of uh, funding available to you as well to be able to do things like um, events and, and programs and, you know, hold a parent and family meetings. Um, uh, you don't get an office. Uh, you have a desk space at the wow. headquarters. <laughs> desk space. <laughs> uh, so typically, yeah, the expectation is to, to meet families at schools or in the ward, in a coffee shop, and just, um, you know, be more grassroots in the community. Mm. Um, you don't get an assistant, so it's basically you're on your own. So depending on what ward you're running, so where I'm running right now in Scarborough Guildwood, I would be um, working with um, 33 um, school communities, which is huge. So <laughs> many. Oh, my God. Exactly. Wow. And, uh, and you know what? Uh, the needs of uh, our schools are not all... The same. There are definitely uh, higher need areas, and um, we have also areas that are under resourced, and therefore the students are experiencing um, a lot more education um, and, and gaps. And there are sometimes, as we know in the city, equity um, issues, especially when it comes to uh, those of us um, in the margins of the city, whether it's Etobicoke or Scarborough. Um, Scarborough typically um, has been uh, underserved when it comes to, we were just joking earlier around transit. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. um, So you, you think about education not only once a student is in the classroom. We have to think about education as a, a holistic experience, oh, yeah. experience. Um, from the moment that, you know, student wakes up, do they have uh, you know, breakfast. They breakfast, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And a way to get to school. Do they have a that way isn't to go like to a two-hour long scenario exactly yeah. uh, is it is it safe do they feel safe to walking to school mm -hmm. do they can they afford a bike to, to, to bike to school so sometimes there are do they these, have clothes do they have clothes mm -hmm. if it's winter or the summer do they have um, the, the the supplies they need to actually succeed as, as students mm -hmm. uh, and then what happens afterwards uh, equally if, if parents are working two jobs um, do they have after school programs do they have before school programs, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, how about daycare spaces mm -hmm. um, for uh, kids in, in the area? Uh, so thinking about, uh, so my background is in public health, and I can't help to think about education um, except through the, the lens of social determinants of health. So Saad would be so happy to hear you say that. <laughs> so the same way we think about holistic experience that we, 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 we need jobs, we need home, you know, we need a, a safe home, we need uh, to be emotionally um, taken care of. Um, so the other thing that I also uh, have been having conversations with parents and students around uh, mental health and the, the pressure, the sheer amount of work that is expected of young people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, well, speaking of young people, um, I'd actually like you to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what your vision for your ward is as school board trustee. What are you going to do? So who are you and what are you going to do? 
Uh, so my name is Samia Abdi. I am a mother and I am also a consultant and a public speaker. I've been in community for about 16 years doing all sorts of different things. Uh, my passion always has been around uh, education excellence and supporting youth. Uh, so I've mentored um, many, many, many young people through uh, the secondary uh, journey as well as um, supporting them through, you know, getting their foot into the into the workplace and, and finding um, viable employment. Um, one of the things that I am really uh, interested to work on is that uh, that having that space for inclusive um, leadership whereby the voices of students are heard, the voices of the parents are heard. Uh, sometimes uh, including things like uh, inclusive curriculum design uh, you know, through the experiences that we had in, the, in this government and in the past government, things have just been, you know, in a drop of a hat, you come and uh, things are different. Mm -hmm. uh, without consultation, without providing um, families and students who are really, that's whose lives we are affecting, an opportunity to um, voice their, you know, they have amazing voices. Uh, the next Truly. generation and the one after is brilliant. Oh my right? gosh, the, the 50,000 students who walked out last week, that was incredible. Exactly, yeah. so, so students have voices, so why aren't we listening to them? Mm -hmm. um, the communities have voices, why aren't we hearing them? If we're really for the people, if we're really trying to create inclusive environment that allows young people to be innovative, to be, uh, to be inquisitive, mm -hmm. to, to love school, create an environment where actually students want to learn, want to come to school, not dreading it, not hating it. Yes. <laughs> so, so that is really uh, from curriculum design to creating supportive environment, to focusing on things like mental health, providing our youth spaces for, for creative expression, mm -hmm. for physical activity. The fact that we continuously, when we have program cuts, the first things that get, you know, that are let go of are things like the art programs mm -hmm. or uh, social supports. Social supports. Yeah. And, and we really cannot afford to do that if we want. Um, you know, and there is a cost benefit, uh, you know, oh, huge yeah. return on, va on, on investment when we invest in, in these young people, you know, they are going to be um, competitive. We are creating uh, space for them to be able to explore future um, jobs. An example of a job that was not here 10 years ago is social media analysis oh, or yeah. analyst or social media developer and, and all that. So if we're not, if we cannot, we cannot um, allow ourselves to be stuck in uh, only traditional fields of, of knowledge, mm -hmm. we really have to expand our, our, our thinking and allow our young people to actually lead the way, honestly speaking, yeah. in terms of what is viable um, education and and if we are going to be competitive in the in the global marketplace because we cannot be uh, you know behind well other countries that are allowing uh, their their students to experience um, education in a holistic fashion and you're actually a young person yourself how old are you Samia I am actually 35 yeah. so uh, it's, it's pretty young <laughs> it's pretty young for a politician though like yes. like in mo most young people don't even feel like they can like we were kind of talking about before, like you can't, they don't even feel like they can access this like area yeah. of politics. Um, so it's really, it's really great that you're running, first of all. Second of all, I want to talk about, um, I want to talk about uh, uh, youth engagement. You touched on that a moment before, uh, a, a moment before this. Um, 
I think part of the reason why young people don't vote is because they don't see themselves represented in politics and they don't see the point of voting. Like everybody that comes through public office seems to do basically the same thing. The other thing is that they throw, and you haven't done this, I really appreciate that, but they do throw around a lot of like flowery language, you know, we're going to optimize, yada, yada, yada. Um, and I think when you tell a young person, I'm going to fix this, they want to know how. And I'm wondering if you can speak a little bit to how you plan on, um, like what kind of mental health support you plan on giving, how you plan on giving it. Um, you talked about equity, like what, how do you, how do you plan on doing some of the things that you've pledged to do? Just for, for context for, for our young listeners. Yeah, so one of the things that I have in my platform right now, so I continuously talk about community engagement and parent engagement, youth engagement, and these are words that can be really thrown around without really uh, quantifying what does that oh, yeah. mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so one of the things that I've, um, you know, through conversation and consultations with, with people at the, at the door uh, is holding monthly meetings um, that is open to anybody in the in the ward to be able to attend and bring forward any of their concerns and any of the successes because the other thing is sometimes we are bogged down in on with on issues problems, yeah. and and um, so my approach in 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 the way I do work is really asset based and figuring out what do we have as a community what opportunities we have what strength do we have and then how do we um, capitalize on that mm -hmm. or mobilize ourselves to you know get more of that mm -hmm. uh, so yes to uh, you know naming the challenges and trying to figure out a way to solve it mm -hmm. but also yes to celebrating um, you know what we need to celebrate um, the other thing in terms of the the uh, community services uh, or especially particularly mental health services there are two routes one is through advocacy uh, for funding um, you know we are provincially funded so it's through working with uh, you'll have your work cut out for you <laughs> So working with uh, city council um, and the, the province uh, to advocate for more funding to these extremely crucial um, services that we need to have, but also creatively thinking about what exists in community. Um, uh, are there youth uh, mental health services that are that we can um, collaborate with and bring into schools mm -hmm. and allow uh, our youth to go to, to these spaces? Mm -hmm. So so it's it's both using what we have in the ward and bringing in more. Okay, great. Um, I, you, you, go ahead. Yes. Um, do you mind if I ask you one more question sure. before we finish up? Um, I saw you were making so much sense. You're amazing. You're amazing. Um, I, um, I saw the CBC story uh, on you and uh, Rania Al-Mugamar uh, from last year. Um, and I want to make sure I ask this question right, so I'm going to read it. Um, in which you both speak about raising your children in the current political climate, which is very anti-black and very anti-Muslim. Here in Canada, we like to think we're above all of that, but of course we are obviously as just as susceptible as everybody else. Um, you're a visibly Muslim woman, and you're now arguably even more visible now that you've entered the political sphere. Um, has this been a problem for you at all at the door or elsewhere? Um, it hasn't, actually. Um, so uh, when you knock on doors, um, 
a lot of people don't open the door just because they, they're not home yeah. or because they're busy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it has actually been a very positive experience once people have actually opened the door and had a conversation. Uh, often what happens with a lot of people is, um, so I do a lot of equity work as well and yes. equity training. Yes. Um, and my approach is that whole idea of, uh, um, I, 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 my approach is a, one that is based on mindfulness and teaching people how to be mindful of not only their behavior, but also cognizant of their feelings, their stereotypes. What, what is it that you're thinking? And can we stop the cycle before it actually gets into behavior? Because, you know, if you're familiar with that uh, oppression um, triangle or the, the iceberg, mm -hmm. the, the tip of it is actually the person experiencing discrimination or somebody making a, uh, an inappropriate joke or, uh, you know, all, all the forms of harassment and discrimination that actually happens. Yeah. But what really underlies, uh, what's really at the bottom of that is systems of oppression so so structural things that right. have existed for you know hundreds of years mm -hmm. as well as deeply held belief systems and assumptions so it's addressing those underlying things before we go to the surface and then address the behavior mm -hmm. um, so um, and and what I in my in my the, the work I do the training I do the cycle it starts with a place of awareness mm -hmm. and then it's it's a reflection and then it's action so if we start, typically when I'm having conversations with people, it's creating awareness of who I am, what's my platform, why am I doing this? And then you know, allowing people to have uh, time to reflect on that. And if they are in agreement, having an opportunity for them to take action. And take <laughs> Say that last bit again, because it was so good. Okay. You were gonna. You said um, like giving people the opportunity to get to know who I am. Yes. So I start from that place of awareness. Who am I? What I? What do I stand for? Uh, and uh, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. And allowing them to have an opportunity to have a, reflect on that and take mm -hmm. time and think about it. And then finally, act by voting for me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, and taking action. Um, you brought in an important point earlier on around, um, you know, voter apathy and people not really feeling that, um, you know, their vote might not make a difference, especially under the current uh, environment where, you know, the problems are just so um, huge that we feel like we cannot, we're not able to tackle them. So, um, yes. yeah, so, so I think that whole idea of one of my favorite sayings that I've actually heard, I think, when I was about 16 or 17 years old, and it had stuck with me, was that uh, it's, I think, um, it, 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 it's a saying that goes like this, uh, the journey of a, a thousand miles starts with a single step. And often mm -hmm. that single step is the hardest step. Yes. So it's, even if it's that, and, and, you know, in, in my faith, I believe that we're only responsible for our actions. We're never responsible for what happens with that. So mm -hmm. we are absolutely and totally in, in control and in charge of what do we do with our current circumstances. Mm -hmm. um, so so taking, taking that first step of, A, getting yourself, um, you know, uh, finding, finding out who's running and why they're running, and then taking... Taking, doing the act, the action of actually civic engagement, and don't just vote. You know, go out and volunteer. Go yeah. out and have a conversation with someone. Uh, you know, your vote matters. In last election, we had a couple of. Um, 
writings that, that the difference was less than 100 votes. Oh, yeah. So therefore, every single voice matters and every yeah. single vote matters. Samia, thank you so much for talking with me today. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. It's amazing seeing you. Okay, so that was our interview with Samia Abdi. We hope you enjoyed it, and we uh, would love your feedback and thoughts. Uh, send us a DM on Twitter. We're on Twitter at undecided underscore pod. We're on Instagram at, at undecided podcast, and on Facebook slash undecided pod. I should just like make them all the same. <laughs> um we're also on Patreon. Um, we've become newly independent mm-hmm. uh, financially. And um, if you like the podcast and you find it useful, you uh, can support us by making a small monthly donation of $2. Um, or more, or if, more you're if, you're, if you're rich. Redistribute, please. Yeah, share the wealth <laughs> uh, so that we can continue to make uh, this podcast distill political information for your ears and, um, and to have beer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, Kate, bring up your energy. Okay, okay, I'm back. Sorry, <laughs> just like blacked out. Um, yes, thank you for listening. Have a good Thanksgiving. Oh wait, is this gonna come out after Thanksgiving? Yes. Oh shit. All right. Well, I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Yeah. I'm going home tomorrow. Hope I can't you wait ate to weird see my dog. dry meats. Yes. Wait, wait, wait. What? Can't you wait to see my dog? Juno. My dog Juno. Oh my god. Side note that I'm definitely gonna cut, but I'm gonna say it anyway because I feel like it. Um, my dog is partially named after the author Juno Diaz, who my dad and I... No! Have I not told you this? Oh my god, that's amazing! Okay, no, but who my dad and I were really into when we got him when I was 15. Oh my god. And I don't know if you know this, but Juno Diaz was publicly (laughs) me-tooed. And then they retracted the story, but like... That's There's some weird stuff going on with him, so um, my dog has been me-tooed. He has no more friends at the dog park. Me too has gone too far. It's in the canine community. My dog is being ostracized. I need to go home and support him. So, oh my god. Long story short, fuck you, me too. Fuck oh you, women. <laughs> Dark. Holy shit. Kate is really aggressive. Kate is just grumpy because we have a lot of assignments due in school this week. I'm really stressed out about school. All right, Kate. I want you to close us off this week. Where are we Not coming? Not that great me too story. No, like, okay. just say, like, we're, oh, yeah. we're coming to you from... Oh, yeah, we're coming to you from, um... Oh, my God! <laughs> we're coming, we're, we're leaving you from beside Tara's bed.